Hey everybody, thank you so much for clicking on episode number 17 of Whipcast. And just a couple of days ago, I arrived back home from the 2020 Los Angeles Whip Convention. And this, I must say, was probably my favorite of all, uh, coming in second to the first year I ever went. The newness of everything was, was magical, but this was probably my favorite one. I feel like the turnout was the greatest. I got to meet so many new people, uh, including the two very special guests that are going to be on the show today, Johnny Ogren of Sweden and Blake Gorey of North Carolina. Two great guys, uh, two whip makers. They've been w making whips for a while now, and they specialize in Ruhide whips. So I had a really great time talking with both of them uh, on different aspects of whip making, why they got into whips, uh, different methods that have been working for them, and what they kind of plan uh, to do with their whip making careers. A couple of great guys. I had such a good time hanging out with both of them. And I hope that you enjoy uh, this episode of Whipcast. Um, I have a video coming out pretty soon that kind of covers the week and what we all did just uh, hanging out uh, as, uh, in addition to some of the competitions uh, that went on. Uh, a couple of a little announcements here. I have a few tutorials that are coming up. Uh, I recently learned finally how to make a knot other than a Turk's head knot. Um, a pineapple knot is one of those knots, and the very closely resembling um, herringbone knot, which is a very sim similar sequence, uh, but it's not quite the same. But these knots both look really nice. I was so intimidated by them for years and years until I finally uh, sat down with Torrance Fisher of Sword Guy Builds, and he really kind of gave me a hands-on uh, instruction of what I was doing wrong and, and what I needed to do. So uh, thanks to Torrance Fisher for his help with that. So uh, videos on that coming up soon. Um, also, I am so thankful and still a little bit in shock, to be quite honest with you guys, for winning, I got first place in the synthetic whip making competition held by uh, Peter Thorndike and Paul Nolan. This was really an honor, and I wasn't really expecting it, to be honest. I used the new material uh, from the Paracord store, and uh, shout out to them once again for working with me uh, to get this whip maker's cord, as, uh, as Vince calls it. Um, created, and I use that for the overlay of this whip, 24 plat. So there's a video coming out uh, with probably within the next month or two on how I made that whip and how you can do it too. So that be, will be available on the uh, Nick's Whip Shop YouTube page. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Ogren and Blake Gorey. I'm Nick Schrader, and you are listening to Whipcast. How you guys doing? Great. Yeah. It's good to finally meet you both in person. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome yeah. to meet everybody here. Yeah. We're here for the 2020 Los Angeles WhipCon. And uh, this today is the kind of the meet and greet day. We're about ready to go to the park in a couple of hours and just hang out and uh, meet other people, crack whips, and just kind of hang relax out. before before the big event tomorrow. So. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Ogren, 
Did I say that right? Jan <laughs> Pretty close. It's Ögren. Ögren. A slight roll on the R. And um, the first letter, Ö, is a bit like U in burn. Ögren. Ögren. But Ögren is completely fine. Okay. <laughs> it sounds actually better than I'm trying to pronounce it the correct way. So Ögren, I'm very happy with that. Very good. Well, I will, I'll try to get it right. And if I can't, I'll just go back to Ögren. That's great. So. Blake Gorley? Gory. 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 Blake Gorley. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. My actual, my real last name is actually Corey with a C, but I changed it to Gory because, for lots of reasons, but my, one of my favorite uh, artists is Edward Gory, cool. and I don't know if not very many people are aware of his uh, short stories and children's books, but they are awesome, and you should check them out if you haven't seen them. Awesome. So you guys are both leather whip makers. And, uh, Correct. How long have you guys been making whips? Uh, Johnny, we'll start with you. Uh, I've been making whips for about five years now, I believe. Very good. I actually never really kept track on when I actually started making whips, but I believe it's about five years. Yeah. What, what got you into it? How did you start? I actually had the opportunity to, to try some like regular leather craft, making some belts and wristbands and stuff like that. Cool. And I got really into that. And... Uh, started setting up my own leather workshop in my bedroom and then I just had the idea to sort of make a whip to put on the wall mm. so I had to start researching how to go about making a whip and I bought you know the classic books how to make whips by Ron Edwards and I a good one. got a couple of David Morgan books and I just started reading up I mm -hmm. uh, found some guy on YouTube called Nick Hmm. We had a couple of tutorials. No, I don't know who this guy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And um, then I just uh, fell into that very small but deep rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And all of the other leather crafts really just faded away. It was all whips. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. So I just stuck with that. Cool. Awesome. How about you, Blake? How'd you get into it? Um, <clears throat> well, I guess uh, whips have been like a lifelong obsession for me. Uh, as I started as like a young child after watching uh, The Last Crusade mm -hmm. and also Batman Returns. Um, and then, um, but whip making came later in my life and after, I think I was about 27 um, and uh, I had moved back in with my parents for a little while on their farm in South Carolina and had was going through my old stuff and found one of my old whips and just started playing around with it and had a lot of free time so watched um, some Adam Winrich videos on YouTube and like learned more cracks and then decided that I wanted to uh, get into it so I found a, a tutorial on um, making whips uh, it was like at that time there was not a whole lot of stuff and I found uh, this thing on how to make a whip um, so this guy in Alaska, I think, hmm. was dog sledding, and he, and he gave a very you know comprehensive uh, tutorial on how to make a nylon whip with ball chain. So my first few were just simple snake whips um, with ball chain, and then eventually I found your videos, Nick, and also um, videos on YouTube by Bernie uh, Watch Sinking. Oh yeah, yeah. Me, too. And, um, me too. And and so that you know one thing led to another, and then. I decided I was going to get um, some leather, and I got a piece of leather, and 
made a leather whip, and uh, you know, it, that's where it all started, I guess. <laughs> so, so Johnny, did you? Sorry if I missed this, but did you start with nylon or did you start with leather? The first whip you made was it? What what material was it? Yeah, I knew I wanted to make leather whips, mm -hmm. uh, or at least a leather whip to put on the wall. But I decided to start out with nylon just to get the sort of basic plaiting method down, mm -hmm. not uh, trashing a lot of yeah. leather. Yeah. So I made like, uh, I believe, three or four nylon whips. And I thought, okay, I got the basic plaiting mm -hmm. down. And then I tried to source some kangaroo leather, because I read in the books that kangaroo leather is the way to go. Mm. And I found some really shady <laughs> kangaroo leather on eBay. Oh, me too. Yeah. And I ordered... <laughs> that was my first one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I ordered like three hides. Was it the real dry stuff? It was really weird. It's like... I think it was Vegtan, but it was called like chocolate brown. Hmm. And it had sort of a weird, almost painted surface. Okay. I top. think I know what you're talking yeah. about. I think I got something. But here. it was cheap. <laughs> yeah. And I got that and um, just went to town, really, yeah. and started to make my first whip. But I didn't realize, somehow I missed that in the book or whatever, but that you actually needed to have plaiting soap. Yeah. So I just braided a whole whip completely dry. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I still got it at home somewhere. And mm. it's not pretty, but uh, it it cracked, mm. but it's um, quite worn out mm. by now. Yeah, that's cool. But it's cool to have your you know your first whip still. Yeah, still I still have. have yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's always fun to have whips and then go back yeah. and see the perfection. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. never gonna show it to anyone. <laughs> but <laughs> come on, <laughs> I got no, 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 something. Yeah, when I pass, it might end up in a museum somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Or not. And Blake, you you pretty much sounds like you just started with with leather. Or no, the the first thirty or forty maybe were nylon okay. actually. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I made uh, some for my friends as gifts, and then eventually started making them pay for them. And okay. yeah, it was, uh, it was. I don't remember. I think actually, I don't remember the year when I got my first um kangaroo skin and it, yeah i did start with kangaroo like johnny um mm -hmm. and it was from ebay mm -hmm. and i used the maybe the same guy it may may I have been it was. mine was yeah. mine was completely veg tanned it was a natural skin and um i used the tutorial in uh, ron edward's book how to make whips um mm -hmm. and it was i went with a snake whip because i liked snake whips at that time um and i still i still to this day like snake whips um <clears throat> And, uh, but the tutorial in that book, you know, I think it's kind of dated and, you know, the snake whips, especially, well, I don't necessarily want to say especially, but they're, they're not really taken seriously, I think, by a lot of makers and they're just kind of a more of a novelty, simple whip, just something in the way I think Ron Edwards says in that book is that it's like just a, a simple whip to make an old cow get through a fence or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's sort of a yard whip. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's very like simple tutorial and I think I used um, scissors to cut my strands I don't really remember and I, I was looking at it recently and it is beveled I don't know, I'm not really sure how I did that hmm. but um and so I yeah I cut the strands and then 
I didn't know about the stretching at that time mm, that you yeah. were supposed to stretch them. Yeah. So that was <laughs> yeah, I went through that. That was a learning experience. I think that that, that was somehow <laughs> overlooked in that tutorial in that book. That part of it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I overlooked it. But mm. um, so yeah. But you know, I dyed the strands red and black, and I don't remember if I used planting soap or not. Actually, you dyed your own. Though. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh huh. Well, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it for yeah. lots of reasons, but um. I wanted a red and black snake whip, so that's what I made, and yeah, it turned, it cracked, you know. Yeah. And I, I still hang, it's hanging on my wall in my whip room uh, today, hmm. and I like to. It's a reminder to me. I do not, however, have my first few nylon whips. Those got completely decimated. Did they like take it yeah. apart and stuff? Or just just uh, no, just um, cracked on uh, cement out. and yeah. um, swung yeah. from trees and all sorts <laughs> of things and. Yeah, it was at that time I really w- liked cracking whips at night, but I couldn't see the whip, so I, I had this idea that I would I spray painted them with uh, glow in the dark paint, That's pretty and then cool. put yeah. them in front yeah. of my car light nice. to charge, charge them up. Charge them up, yeah, yeah. 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 That's and then cool. yeah, and so that was Neat. that was fun, and still to this day I, I enjoy cracking whips at night. But now I'm a little bit better at it, so I kind of can just, I know where the whip is pretty mm-hmm. much. But I still would like to have some glow-in-the-dark whips, and I've seen people yeah. making whips that illuminate or light up at night. And Oh, yeah, um, with the, L- I think, uh, who was it that did that? Uh, yes. Adam uh, yeah. Fieldson from uh, Fieldson? Whipworks. Have you seen his stuff? John? Yeah. yeah. yeah he, was it Adam May, or is it Fieldson? I think it's Fields. I, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. He goes by Whipworks. Uh-huh. And there's a video he posted where he took LED string lights, basically, mm-hmm. and, and wove it into the whip. Okay. Yeah, that's the there's one I place, saw, too. Yeah, okay, yeah. There's a place for a battery at the end, mm-hmm. and it's, it looks like it's Yeah, it I've, been meaning, really well. I've been meaning to do that. It's just yeah. kind of like interwoven with nylon or yeah. something, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure exactly how I did it, but yeah, that's cool. So yeah. many innovative cool. things that are still yet to be done with whips. Yeah. Did you guys see the high-tech whip I posted for uh, April Fool's? Yes, yeah. the USB uh, yeah. for it? Yeah, <laughs> yes, USB-C and a sort of sensor at the tip that checks the position relative yep. to the yeah. handles. <laughs> see, now, that would be cool. Initially, when I saw that, I was like, wow, that is a great idea if it could actually count the cracks for someone who's oh, trying yeah, to, yeah. to um, break stuff. a world record. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. crack counting is something you got to go back and like play the video slow, yeah. like count each individual one. Yeah. But, but you sort of need an audible crack, really. You can probably count uh, anything, really, but it needs to be sort of like a microphone. Then you can might as well have a microphone on the side. Right, yeah. Just counting the actual cracks. Yeah. Somebody, I saw a discussion, actually, about this exact thing, and somebody was saying there's an app for, uh, like, you know, shooting guns to count how many rounds. Oh, really? And they said that would... Of course, probably there's an app. Like <laughs> yeah, there's an app for everything. Yeah, it's probably not precise enough to use an app for an actual record, right? But yeah. Just you know, to give a ballpark figure. Yeah. You just leave yeah. that to Guinness, though. They'll they'll take care yeah. of all that. They've got the That's, technology, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I knew you mentioned Nick that you got into whip making because you wanted to take a photo of the yes cracker breaking the sound barrier. Exactly. But. Oh, yeah. You've recently ventured into leather whips as well. Mm-hmm. What got you into that? Uh, just seeing other leather whips, seeing how complex you could make them, and just because it is the traditional way to make a whip, I, I wanted to try it. Mm. Um, at that point, I wasn't really concerned about making money as a whip maker. I just, I just wanted to do it the way it's always been done. So the first leather whip I made, um, 
think I just bought some really thick oil tan cowhide, yeah. tandy leather, and uh, I don't know what happened to that whip, but it was pretty terrible. Um, but I'm sure it was awesome. <laughs> I remember seeing a video of you in your garage, I think, cracking yeah. was it like a four-foot snake whip, putting out candles. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna bring that, and I forgot it. That was that was a 16 plat uh, little snake whip I made. Oh yeah. Um, kind of hard to target with snake whips. Yes, it really is because you don't have a lot of leverage at all or uh, that reach that you have and stability. But uh, the story behind that whip, I had scraps from one of the leather whips that mm. I made, kangaroo. And uh, I just felt like I wanted to do something really detailed because I yeah. think I saw some work from, uh, I was watching a lot of Bernie's videos at the time. And I was like, man, I want to do something that's just a fraction of yeah. you know, that complex work. So I, I made it, and at the time I was really happy with it. You know, now it's like it's got its flaws, but yeah, it just felt good to go from sixteen plat, you know, real fine, and then go back to like yeah, paracord after yeah. that, or even wider strands. But yeah. I mean, making like yeah. a a really high plat whip, uh, and then going back to like sixteen oh, or twelve, it makes you feel so uh, like you're the fastest platter in the mm. world. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Because yeah. you know, just um, going from But like an, planning an eight platch and sixteen, uh, that doubles the time because it's double the amount of strands. Exactly. exactly. So if you got eight strands that are ten millimeters wide, yeah, and you move into sixteen plat, those strands will be about five millimeters wide. Mm -hmm. So you're ca actually covering half the distance with every strand that you're plating. Yeah, that's true. So it really yeah adds to the time, and that's Absolutely. why you know as soon as the plat count goes up. Mm -hmm. The price also goes up. There's not that mu that much of a difference in in material. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of more waste with a higher plat count, mm -hmm. but uh, it's uh, mostly the time that it takes to actually make the whip just mm -hmm. drastically increases. The insides is mo are mostly the same, mm -hmm. but yeah. it's the overlay there. How many strands? You said sixteen. Yeah, it was a six. Yeah, sixteen. But the overall. I think the diameter of the whip was it was only like three quarters of an inch. Oh, so okay, I mean, it so was like it was thinner strands. Small, yeah, thin, thin. yeah. What year was that when you did oh, that? Oh man, that was probably like twenty fourteen or fifteen. Okay, maybe yeah, I think fifteen. It was a while ago. But uh, yeah, a question I have for both of you guys: uh, we we all can agree that finishing a high plat count whip is satisfying. But do you guys do you enjoy? working on a, a higher plat like a 24 plat whip or is it something you just try to get through to get it done like how do you feel about <laughs> the actual working on one of these whips well I because it is tedious right yeah yeah it is really tedious but it's uh, sort of satisfying in a way um, I like making higher plat counts mm -hmm. on occasion um, like My standard plat count for most whips is uh, 16 plat, mm -hmm. but uh, I like to venture up to 20, 24 plat on occasion. Yeah. Yeah. But um, cool. doing anything higher than that is quite rare. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, when I first started making leather whips, my approach was slightly different than I was watching the Bernie videos, and yeah. and also I was coming from the you know making nylon whips where there's no taper in nylon. Obviously, it's mm -hmm. just. Uh, straight cord yeah. so my approach was to not taper the strands and just do a really high plat count and mm. just drop all your strands so my first 
well, my first leather whip, like I said, was from the tutorial, and then I upgraded, and once I found your videos and Bernie's videos, and I kind of, like, appropriate them to what I need, needed them to, to be, what I needed to do, and, uh, so I think the first one after that one was a 24-plat snake whip, mm-hmm. and then I made a few 24-plat sta- snake whips, and I just kept the strands three millimeters, the full length of the whip. Mm-hmm. Wow and then went down to 8-plat on the point, I think, or it might have been 6-plat, I can't remember. Yeah. And uh, and then, so I think I made three three or four or five even, I'm not sure. And um, and then the first bullwhip I made was 24-plat, and then the second bullwhip I made was 24-plat. These are all kangaroo hide. And then mm. at that time, I'd like to mention, too, I was getting my skins from David Morgan, and they were $140 a piece for oh, first-grade quality kangaroo skins. And so, and I was wasting about half of them by doing that method. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, um, and I was wet-stretching them between two posts, and I was using four-plat bellies with no bolsters. Yeah. So it took almost, oh, wow. it, almost two kangaroo skins to make um, one whip, you know, yeah, that was yeah. like five foot, six foot long. <laughs> and um, so there was quite a bit of waste there. And then the next two whips I made, I got some kangaroo skins from Whip Nation. Okay. And I believe they came initially from Simon Martin. They were dry skins. And then those were 32 plat. So th- so I, w- I really liked the high plat count, and mm-hmm. I loved the aesthetic of it, and that yeah. was my main goal. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I just want to jump in and mm-hmm. just, just try and do this. So it was very difficult. Um... But then I eventually started making 16 plat whips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then event- I think and then a few years later I made my first 12 plat whip. And then, um, and then I made an 8 plat whip. And only recently have I started making 4 plat whips. Mm. And now I'm realizing, wow, these, these, I can make this in like an hour. You can just hour. fly through it. So if you start with a high plat count, it's kind of nice in a way because it makes, you, yeah. makes it really easy when you... Yes. <laughs> I, I remember yes. when I was just starting out uh, making uh, uh, like a 16 or 20 plat whip because I uh, uh, didn't really have the courage mm-hmm. uh, to taper the strands. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. having the strand be like uh, three mils all the way really made mm-hmm. things easy for me. Oh, yeah. Because, exactly. uh, you know, going for like starting out with six millimeter wides and the tapering down three at the end. Yeah. I was just not brave enough to actually go about that procedure. Yeah, definitely. So making the whip a higher plat to just get rid of that, yeah, mm-hmm. really. But even if, now, I kind of realize that even if you are doing a thirty-two plat whip, that it's kind of good to have a little bit of taper. Yeah, in the strands too, mm-hmm. just aesthetic for aesthetics and. Uh, I mean, maybe not. You know, I guess it depends on your width and everything. There's lots of variables to consider. But, I mean, you can't deny the beauty of a high-plat count whip, but Absolutely. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work better. And I think a lot of people, I get a lot of people ordering, for some reason they think a 16-plat whip is going to work better than a 12-plat whip. Yeah. And I don't really understand why they think that. Actually, I think an 8-plat whip probably works better than just about any whip. Well, for a stock whip. For mm-hmm. a bull whip, I think maybe 12-plat, because the width of the strands is they are maybe too wide for it. it on a plat whip that's about you know 19 millimeters and 20 millimeters yeah in diameter. I, I, I do think that a higher plat count uh, distributes the tension in the whip a lot better than a lower plat count mm-hmm. 
but if it ends up uh, actually making a difference in regards of feel and so on, I haven't really found a great difference between, like, say, a 12 plat and a 24 plat. Mm -hmm. They can either be good or they can they can be bad, but yeah, just true. With yeah. the, I guess what I was saying is that the main thing is like you, the more strand drops you have, the more breaks in tension. Oh yeah, yeah, you're going to have. So, I mean, at least for me, and maybe it's because I'm not good enough at it, but every time you drop a strand, you're going to add more density or more mass to your belly, and mm. um, and then also the strand tension. It takes a, a skilled person to be able to distribute the strain tension evenly and still make the whip look good too yeah, at the yeah. same time. So if you've got, you know, if you're thinking you're making a 32 plat bull whip and it's four foot long, which I'd get orders for those, and you have to drop that many strands in in really a three foot space because you've got about a one foot handle. So you've got to. It takes a lot of consideration thinking about how you're going to do that. Yeah. So, but now I tell people no, I won't. Yeah, no. You know, I, <laughs> right. I, I used to do that, but no, I won't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, also dropping strands is kind of funny because dropping strand uh, gets harder and harder the further down the thong you get. Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing like say a 16 plat whip and say you're dropping two strands at a time, going from 16 to 14 is not that big of a difference uh, in drop percentage-wise. Mm -hmm. But going from 10 to 8, that is, you got. Uh, a lot of more strands that you're trying to like, disappear, really, right? And have it go unnoticed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so it's harder to conceal those drops. Exactly, it is. Yeah, it's the, like the thinner your diameter. It's is, like having a, sure. a big bowl of candy. If there's a mm -hmm. hundred candies in there, if you nick two, no one's gonna notice. Yeah. But if you got eight <laughs> candies in there and you nick two, someone's gonna yeah, notice. That is a very great metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's good. So one has to really try and. Produce some black magic. Yeah, and yeah, there's so many different ways to go about it. So yeah. many different. It it really does take a you know a lot of uh, consideration and trial and error. Oh so yeah, to see what that works. Too. Yeah, I've tried a few ways of dropping strands, but I don't know. It's it's still, I'm, I'm, you know, I still have a decent amount to learn. You know, even with nylon leather's a different story. I'm yeah, but we all do. Yeah. This. Yeah, you you don't mm -hmm. will never know everything. Yeah, and you'll never be great at everything. Yeah, and that's sort of the charm, really. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so stock whips, guys. When did you when did you start making stock whips? I don't. <laughs> Basically, okay. I got you one. Made a few, right? Uh, no, I've uh, I got one on my workbench, and that's been there for like six months now. Yeah. And uh, I got the overlay halfway done. Okay. Just yeah. put it to the side, and I got I've yet to finish it. But yeah. I, I'm not really that big of a fan mm -hmm. of stock whips. I was just talking to Blake before you showed up uh, that I really wanted to get into making stock whips, mm -hmm. but I realized I, since I'm not that big of a fan of stock whips, mm -hmm. I probably won't make any great stock whips. Yeah. Because I mm -hmm. really think that you need to like the product that Definitely. you're producing. Uh, maybe just go deeper down the rabbit hole. Yeah, that might help as well, but <laughs> the, the, the thing that I want to get at is making stock whip handles. Okay. Just plaiting the handles, that's what yeah. I want to do. Yeah. So if yeah. anyone got stock whip handles, yeah. they can send them to me and I'll gladly plait them for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've developed more of an appreciation for them because um, the uh, 
But I think a, a large part of it was that I had not seen any in person. I think I started making stock whips in 2000 and I, I want to say 15 or 16. Um, I made a couple based off of Bernie's method. Um, and it was like the first one I made was shot loaded. And then I really did not like how that worked at all. It, it turned out okay. It turned out kind of pretty. I, I liked it and I sold it still. Mm. And the, the customer was very pleased with it. And, um, and then I made another one, and the second one, I feel like I just, I got lucky. Mm-hmm. I got lucky on it. The keeper was, I ended up having to repair that, because I didn't do that right. But I feel like I got lucky, and it ended up working really really well. But then I kind of just stopped making them for a while, and I, I just didn't get any orders for them. And I think that the, the logistics there is that, like, if I was going to order a stock whip, more than likely I'd order it from an Australian. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> they, it's, it just makes sense. Yeah. But at the same time, I still want to make them, and I still w- enjoy making them. So I asked Adam Winrange, I was like, well... I, well, he, actually, Adam Winrange, he, he asked me, he was like, just let me know when you start making sets of stock whips. And I told him, well, I haven't seen enough in person. So he sent me some to examine and inspect, mm-hmm. and you know. And so I think he sent me... Yeah, he sent me uh, some uh, Russell Schultz and some Janine Frazier's, which... Both of them are in their own right, like very awesome sets of sets of whips, mm-hmm. um, and the craftsmanship is is great. And the Janine Frazier's especially, they they work incredibly well. And um, and then the Schultz have like are just incredibly well made. So it was really great to see those. Mm-hmm. And um, and what it, what is awesome? It's nice to make something that looks good, but also works really well too. But sometimes mm-hmm. there's a there's kind of a divide there in the whip world. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, and then he gave me some build specs, and I made some, and uh, sent them back to him. And then he told me what he thought of them, and so, and that was kind of. So now I'm like on the road to making more stock whips, I guess. Yeah. And and I I have to say I like it. I mm-hmm. think I have a lot more to learn, and I'm looking to looking forward to talking to people today and tomorrow. Yeah. yeah um, Peter Thorndike especially more, and I've had a lot of help from a lot of a lot of people. Um, and I used to be kind of uh, stubborn or more reclusive and I just didn't really want to ask any I like to figure things out on my own but there's kind of a point where you kind of have to ask people things because you see their whips and you're like how did you do that and you just you have no idea until you ask them nicely I remember (laughs) I remember refraining from asking people as well when I was just starting out because I saw some really awesome work from a lot of people Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm completely new at this and if I were to ask them how they made that really fantastic whip why would they they tell me their secret because to me (laughs) making a really nice whip was like a sort of a a mythical thing you mm-hmm. had to climb this mountain and find bring right. back the sacred flower right. and right. why would anyone tell me the way yeah <laughs> you know because you, yourself yeah yeah it's like a sort of yeah. a guild of really high-end crafters but yeah it turns out you know most people who are into whip making whip cracking are really nice people who gladly share their knowledge yes. absolutely yeah yeah where there's passion for something, there's oftentimes passion to share. Yes. That thing you love. Yeah. Exactly. And it was like we were talking about yesterday. <coughs> uh, I'll gladly help anyone. Mm-hmm. The, the yeah. only thing I like in return is a thank you. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, 
I'll gladly help out if if I, if I can. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, I had the same thought and the thinking there is that you know those people that like the masters they learned from somebody too, yeah. and the people that taught them learned from somebody too, and it was passed down for hundreds of years. And if people didn't teach other people, then we wouldn't have whips today. No, right. You know? Yeah. We wouldn't have good whips today. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about whips today, do you think that the whips um, made today are better than the ones made a hundred years ago? Hmm. Because I'm, I'm thinking we don't have any whips from. Well, we have some whips from a hundred years ago, but we don't yeah. have many. They don't stand the test of time. No. Very long. They mm-hmm. have a lifespan, which is. I'm thinking like if technology moved forward, well, of course it have with as with nylon and so on. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as the whips in general, are the whips crafted today of a higher quality? Is the leather better today than it was a hundred years ago? It's a good or, question. Yeah, I was I, curious about that. That's but. hard to say because if you look at the craftsmanship of like ancient peoples, it's ab- absolutely amazing yeah. because they have uh, they had a certain sort of patience that we just don't have today. No. Yeah. But. We got stuff to do, <laughs> so I mean, we got other things to attend to. If you look at the, the braided rawhide things from um, from Central South America, mm-hmm. or even like Spain, yeah, um, yeah. it's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's just incredible. And I look at that and like, how did that oh, person yeah. figure that out? Mm-hmm. And all those yeah, and it's all just been passed down orally from father to son, yeah. you know, and yeah. like through guilds or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so, we, I guess that's something we, we will never know. But mm-hmm. I think that with the age of information and, and you know how we can just social media mm-hmm. networking, um, you can learn a lot more mm-hmm. now without yeah. um, have, have being um, you know the son of a really great uh, whip maker right, or yeah. transador or whatever. Uh, I think it's easier to get sort of a shallower knowledge today maybe than back when you know YouTube weren't around mm-hmm. because back then you really had to kind of study mm-hmm. and trial and error now you can just head on onto YouTube and find a video mm-hmm. this is how you do it and then you you think you properly understand how to do whatever it is mm-hmm. but uh, actually there's a lot of knowledge that you don't get from a YouTube video or even for a, from a book for that matter yeah yeah definitely Yeah, I, have you guys been on instructables.com? No. It's kind of a, a site where people will give instructions on how to build yeah. anything. Yeah, I've, I've been on there for some, for yeah. some things. That's actually it's good DIY. It is. It's very good. Yeah. Um, but that's how I learned how to make my first plaited whip. Oh, yeah. guy, it was the the ball chain method. Mm-hmm. It was like three. Maybe that was, I think that might have been what I... Was it a dog sled guy? Or I a... don't know if it... It may have been. CH5 was his user. Uh, I, I think I that... Was one of the yes, I think that's what... I think... That, yeah, okay. it, was, it was three things, a ball chain. One is... Yeah, like black, one foot. Black whip, paracord. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. that's crazy. <laughs> oh, I guess we both... <laughs> yeah, I think at that time, there was that was the only thing on the internet that I could find yeah. on how to make a whip. Yeah. And, yeah, that was... I I think YouTube was around at that time, but it was not like very popular mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah, that was probably like when YouTube was just starting to become more popular. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, yeah. streaming had just become popular yeah. at that too at that yeah. time. It, like that was, you know, 
when the internet got a little bit faster. Yeah. And you could... Moved away from dial-up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you couldn't really stream very good with dial-up. Yeah. And AOL, they call it, mm. in the old days. Back in the day. So, so we've gotten to see this, like, transition of... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, like, right there in that generation gap or whatever where... Yeah. But, you know, so I can't imagine what some of the, the older guys think when, you know, they, for years and years and years they didn't have that, and then all of a sudden now, now we have that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I really liked um, Bernie's videos a lot, and, uh, you know, I think, I would just like to say that I think a lot of people find, and, you know, his methods might be a little crude, but I think that his methods worked so well for a lot of people because they're very comprehensive and mm -hmm. very easy for the beginner yeah. mm -hmm. to understand. Exactly. Because yeah. if you give someone a piece of leather and a, and a razor and tell them to make a whip, they're going to throw that piece of leather in the trash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that his videos were like almost in real time. Yeah. That was helpful too. And he, he yeah. kind of inspired me to do that because I felt like I got so much out of that instead of just, all right, we're going to do this. So meet back up with me after that's done. He would actually go through the process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I benefited from that. And I figured, well, other people probably will too. Yeah. So he was a big inspiration, not only in whip making, but also in, mm -hmm. you know, and he also Teaching. gave you instructions on how to make uh, <coughs> the tools that he used, too, that you could make very simple. Oh, yeah, simple yeah, yeah. Too, the yeah. strain cutters. And the beveler. And yeah, the yeah, bevelers. Yeah, and yeah. That, I used that to make my beveler, and I still use that beveler to this yeah, day for yeah. some things. Yeah. Not for everything, but for some things. I still use that same beveler that I've had for 10-plus years. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've actually gotten lucky enough to see one of the beveling machines that he had custom made recently. My friend Bob Standish has one. Hmm. From Is it DWR that makes those? Or it's I know his name is Bev, and I got two of them. Yeah, that's right. You do have one. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. Hmm. So I got, to, I got to see one, and, and that, that was really cool. Hmm. I didn't get to use it yet. I <laughs> didn't have time. I, I use mine all, all the time hmm. for um, uh, the resizing part. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't use the, the skiving side of it. I like to do that oh, yeah. by hand. Yeah. But... Mm -hmm. uh, I like it, that it's a really. Uh, I can get a really consistent strand width. Mm -hmm. If I know my strands need to be 5.3 mils wide, mm -hmm. I can get each strand 5.3 mils wide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it helps to get the, the accuracy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the, the hand cutting is, is nice and it's quick, but um, the. You know, if you want really precise, something really precise, it's kind of nice to uh, spend a little extra time. And, mm -hmm. and that, that's something, even more recently, that I've been trying to get better at. Because I've kind of transitioned to hand cutting, but then sometimes I look at my order whips and I'm like, well, they're kind of a little bit more perfect sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Especially on, like, so, the high. Like the high yeah, and, yeah, yeah, when you have finer strands, you really, it needs to be exactly the same. And when you're tapering your strands, you know, if one... You taper one slightly sooner, mm. so there's yeah, there's that. Yeah, tapering strands by hand is uh, really challenging for me. Mm. It is. Yes, yeah. it's, it's very hard. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I li why I like to use the resizer because I can uh, cut you know the, the first section of the strand to like uh, f five point three, mm -hmm. and then I know after three feet I want it to go down to four point five, and I can, can just uh, right. resize every strand from that point. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. and get them to the same width at the same place. Mm-hmm. So it makes for a real consistent strand, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I have a resizer. I got it on eBay. I don't remember who sold it, but it's basically a metal cylinder, black. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, yeah. Guessing, mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, that has worked really well for me. Mm. Yeah, a few whips, leather whips that I've made, like it's, it's not really yeah, it seems like those are those are good tools. I I bought one was custom made by this um, really nice guy called Clint Sims, hmm. and uh, it has a it's similar. It's a similar build with a cylindrical sort of uh, design, mm-hmm. and it's got a resizer, a beveler, and a splitter hmm. on on it. And I use that sometimes. Um, I t- yeah, lately you know for. For like a 12 or 16 plat whip, I'll do it all by hand and use um, like off a hook and walk backwards, mm-hmm. resize that way. You cut one strand and um, just ba- kind of, that's what I call the pilot strand. You kind of base all the other strands mm-hmm. like right. that. Yeah. And you got to cleverly hold it in your hand yeah. Yeah. as you're like, okay, it goes down here. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it works great for a 12 or 16 plat whip, but when you get into higher plat counts, it kind of helps to have a resizer, mm-hmm. yeah. I must say. Yeah. And of course, you know, when you cut your strands initially, you know, cut them a, a little taper, but you have yeah. to, you know, a little bit of extra to, mm-hmm. to, but when you, when you do it, do you use the resizer mainly? As, um, yeah, I, I do. I mean, I was trying to do it by hand for a while and I just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. I just need mm-hmm. a bunch of scraps and just practice and practice if I want to do it by hand. But if I just want to make a leather whip, get it done, have it look decent, have it work decently. I just use the strander. Do, do you want to get into actually making leather whips also, or do you just want to know how to make a leather whip so you can do one on the side? or Mostly one on the side. Yeah, I'm not really interested in offering them uh, for custom orders. Okay. I, just, I would like to make one and sell it every now and then. Yeah. Um, but I think I, s- I could be wrong, but I think I saw one of your leather whips that my friend had. Oh, really? you sold. Did you sell one to, to uh, Jeff Beisel? Oh. Or was that... Don't think I could be. How long ago? It was a it was a mini bullwhip, I think, or a mini. Oh, uh, actually, maybe. Yeah. Like a little three footer. Yeah. 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 yeah I did sell it, and I, it looked actually pretty well made to me. Thank you. I think I almost certainly used the strand uh, strand for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I could tell. You know, it was it was like maybe one of it might have been one of your first. Try, yeah. You know, but I mean. It worked really well. I can't really remember exactly, but he he showed me some. He came and visited me and showed me some of his whips. Oh, he's got a huge collection. Yeah, I've always seen him. Yeah, like, got another whip. Got another whip. <laughs> and I, I sold him his second whip. He his first one was a Bernie Wajdziki, and uh, I, I really hope I'm pronouncing Bernie's name right. But I, anyways, and but I I sold him his second whip, which was the second stock whip I ever made, hmm. and. And he got what I like to call the whip fe- whip fever. Oh yeah. Mm. And and I think now he has very very numerous <laughs> amounts of whips. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was really awesome seeing his collection. He's got some really That's good pieces. Cool. I wish I had a bigger whip collection. Myself, yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. Thank. Uh, Thank you for people like that. I just want to say thank you for people who are who get the whip fever. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how or why it happens, <laughs> but well, um, you no. are our bread and butter. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. A bit of a change in subject, maybe. Sure. Yeah, but uh, I remember a 
conversation somewhere on Facebook mm -hmm. a while back about uh, nylon whip makers feeling like they're being looked down upon mm -hmm. by leather whip makers. Do you have any guys think that's the case? I mean, probably. I mean, I've never felt it. But I don't, I'm I sure don't it's, feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a thing with some other whip makers. I think it's because there's more work to be done. Like every, you know, there's less variables for nylon whip makers, so it's mm. we have to do more work. You think you're? I don't know. I, I've never experienced it. Everybody's been pretty nice to. I think if maybe it was Blake Bruning or some someone said that making a nylon whip is more of a science. And, oh, okay. and ma making a leather whip is more toward the art side. Okay. I made a and similar comparison to that. Yeah, it before. might be you. Yeah. So. I, I, it was kind of a, I don't know, it may sound insulting to myself or now on <laughs> whip makers, but I, I compared it like it's kind of like a coloring book with nylon whips, mm -hmm. and then um, leather whips is more like hand drawing because you have to, you determine everything. Yeah. The width of the strand is predetermined with nylon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's still. You know, a complex uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, coloring book, but uh, absolutely. But I don't know. I don't well, I, I would like to say that after having made a lot of nylon with something, I kind of realized is that sure, it's I get the coloring book thing, mm -hmm. but you have to be very clever because you have to figure out how to work with a strand that does not taper, that yeah. does not yeah, do yeah. anything. So you have to come up with clever ways. And sure, it's like you can watch a tutorial and make a, a nylon whip. But in order to make a really well-made nylon whip mm. like like yours, Nick, um, that requires skill. Totally, and, and, and yeah, and it re it requires a fair degree of intelligence, I might say too, mm. and um, and patience, lots of other things too, adaptability, um, mm. and uh, you know, I, I just uh, think that they're they're different. They're yeah, different. you're you're definitely right. Yeah, there there are completely different elements. Yeah. Is that not a beast to tackle, really? Yeah. There are elements of nylon whip making that leather whip makers don't have to deal with. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, for example, plaiting an overlay at the end over just loose tails. Yeah. You can kind of scrunch those up and it's a little bit more, the way I see it, it seems like it's more malleable than just yeah. free strands of, of, of nylon. Yeah. So I guess that's mm -hmm. one of the, the scenarios. But, uh, and and yeah. also, yeah, just like we were talking about a moment ago the the tapering aspect yeah, yeah. since the strand uh, the nylon strand doesn't taper mm -hmm. you uh, i think you get sort of a you can end up with a, a sort of bumpy taper if mm -hmm. you will yeah. it's like if you imagine the energy going down the whip it's like rolling a ball down a down some stairs really mm -hmm. because as you cut your tail ends for example yeah there's no taper for a section, yeah, and the strand is cut exactly, and there's right. a bump right there, and there's no taper for a section, and then a big bump, yeah. yeah. So it's like whereas with leather you can really cut each strand to a well, technically a perfect taper. That's a really good point. So it's like you know rolling a ball down a slope instead of much much uh, smoother mm -hmm. way for the energy to travel. Um, that is true. Yeah, I think so, at the end of the day, you know, a leather whip is going to have a finer taper, even if you can't see it initially. Like yeah, I, I, I believe in, in theory, you could make a perfect leather yeah. whip, if you will, mm -hmm. in regards to taper and so on. Mm -hmm. But um, there's pros and cons with both materials, really. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I feel like a lot of performers. This is something that Adam Winrich brought up in one of the, your, your podcasts, I think, is that uh, a lot of performers prefer nylon whips, and that's something that I, I found interesting. And one reason, and I've actually performed before and I've experienced this, is that if you have a leather fall, um, you can blow off your uh, your cracker and hit somebody in the eye, Ooh, which is yeah. not good. No. Yeah. You do not want that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've I actually... Had that happened? Well, it did not hit someone, luckily, but it did blow off, and I'm like, "Oh, where'd my cracker go?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I've been, I've, how long have I been cracking without a cracker? For yeah. one, yeah. and, and uh, <coughs> so, so there's that, and also, you know, they're gonna, they're more durable, and you know, they're gonna, they're, they can take a, a beating, mm-hmm. and moisture, yeah, 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 that too. And when I go, I was saying earlier, when I go camping or hiking, I don't take my leather whips with me. No mm-hmm. way. There's no way I'm gonna take my leather whips with me. Camping yeah. or hiking, they're probably going to get wet. It's a bit yeah. like, um, I don't mean to insult anyone, but to me, a nylon whip is more like a Toyota pickup. Yeah, it's like right. a workhorse, you know? Right, right. That you can put through almost anything. Mm-hmm. While as a leather whip is more like, you know, the the porch. Mm-hmm. The, the, right. The, the it's thing. seasonal. Kind of. yeah. yeah. You crack that out on a sunny day and um, yeah. just have a smooth ride. Mm-hmm. I agree right. with that. Yeah, and you can swing on trees. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. sure thing. Right. <laughs> Probably not yeah. the best idea, but my first whip was, uh, my first real whip, I would say, where I ordered from a catalog, and it was one of those four-plat swivel handily things. Oh, okay, and yeah. I, I've yeah. swung from lots of trees from it, yeah. or with it, and uh, and had to like, repair it a couple of times, and the only way I knew how to. Yeah. And <laughs> Did you guys uh, did you guys buy any whips when you were first starting out? Just so you could have something there in front of you. Definitely. Well, when I was a kid, yeah, I had many. But nice. My first one was, well, my second one, I should say, after the four plat swivel handle, mm-hmm. um, was uh, uh, I think I ordered it from. It was from a Western store called Laredo's, and I ordered it. And supposedly they ordered it from a maker in Australia. Hmm. And I've seen these hanging up in uh, Western stores, and they look exactly the same. And it's—I think it was a twelve-plat kangaroo. And I, I got it, and I, I loved it. It wasn't exactly like Indiana Jones's whip, like I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I still loved it, and uh, eventually, uh, that was the whip. Actually, when I went and visited my parents, that I um, played with, and and I played with it so much that I kind of ruined it and I decided to just take it apart and see what was inside and that's when I discovered that there was coconut fiber and corn husks <laughs> in the center and this this um, how much was it I think like $275 Ooh. at that time oh. and which I had planted over a, a hundred fence posts to make that money wow. uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the first whip that I got that was made by someone else but uh, I'm not completely sure I know it was a long time before I got to actually see a whip yeah from another maker yeah because I only had the whips that I made right and it was really <clears throat> difficult for the first couple of years uh, not really having a reference point mm-hmm. except for pictures yes to know how a whip should feel like and properly behave like because I made whips uh, for myself 
and I learned how to use them. Mm. And I thought they were, you know, pretty decent. Yeah. But I didn't have a reference point really, so I didn't know they. Maybe they're real crappy, mm. which they were. But uh, <laughs> um, so it was. Uh, I think about two, two years maybe before I really got to lay my hands on a whip by another mm. maker and sort of get like at least one reference point. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I believe that it's very important to handle as many different whips by mm. different makers yeah, as definitely. as possible. Right. And just being here in <clears throat> LA right now is probably opportunity. probably one of the greatest opportunities there are okay. to to see a lot of people's work and definitely. try whips and handle different yeah. lengths and styles. Still, so. Pictures only give things so much justice. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. Right. A three dimensional thing that moves and bends. Yeah. A picture doesn't really give a whole lot of justice no. to yeah. it. I think my third one of the third or fourth whip I got I ordered off eBay from I think it was the gentleman in Central or South America and I can't remember his name. And it was a it was a eight foot snake whip. Um and it was made out of um cowhide. Mm. And I think sixteen, it might have been twelve plat. And it was actually very well made. It had a snakehead hitch on it, and um, I, it was very heavy. Hmm. And I broke that whip, too, and I took it apart and to see how it was made. And the core was basically just a shot bag with duct tape over it. Hmm. And uh, the plating had gone directly on top of that. Hmm. And the reason I, why I, how I broke it was I was swinging from a tree branch. And <laughs> so kids, don't do that if you get an expensive whip. Um, don't do that. If you if you want that whip to not break, <laughs> certain whips are made to do that, and you can do that with maybe nylon whips, and I mean it's still going to damage them. Yeah, I've but, been wanting to make some sort of stunt whips. Yeah, like having a I don't know twenty foot steel cable. Yeah, and uh, I think covering. Adam did that. Yeah, and, uh, I think mm -hmm. they use them for for the indie movies and the sorrow movies. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, so you can really tie it to something, and then, then just sort of form the the shape of a whip mm -hmm. at the end of it, yeah. and just do an overlay basically. Yeah, yeah, that work. And uh, yeah. so you can tie it to whatever and swing for it on yeah. for shows or a stage or whatever. Um, yeah. But um, I haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, I was trying to get some of that material. I think it's called like Zippo line or some sort of like electrical cable. Yeah. Is that what it is? Or hmm. I you have... could use steel cable, and I've done that before, but it bends and it doesn't bend back once. It bends oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You're right. I had this idea of uh, having um, uh, the steel cable through the full length of the whip, but the terminating inside the heel notch. Hmm. So um, I think for the movies they had. Uh, the cable come out from the heel knot to attach to some sort of rig or a belt mm. or harness. Uh, but um, having it terminate inside the heel knot so you can grab the heel knot and swing for it from mm. it that way. Yeah. But I haven't been able to figure out a properly secure way mm -hmm. of securing the cable inside the heel knot and not having the whole thing yeah. just slip out yeah. <laughs> as you're swinging. So it's um, still on the drawing board. I, yeah. I used um, epoxy. <clears throat> you can get these like little clamps that clamp onto the end of the cable, mm. and then I just locked it in some um, epoxy, yeah. and that was the um, the heel ball or whatever, which the uh, the butt that the the knot went on. But at mm. that time, I don't think I knew how to tie knots, huh. so <clears throat> it was basically just uh, epoxy. <laughs> <laughs> 
which actually felt pretty good in the hand. I think that whip is still alive today. Somebody, somebody nice. has it. Yeah. Track it down if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you guys uh, think have changed the most in your whip making over the years? Probably not. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I recently learned how to tie something other than just you know a seven by six jerk set. Yeah. Uh, pineapple knot. And I really, I really enjoy it. What, where did you learn? Uh, I learned from um, Torrance Fisher, actually. Uh, he, you know, hands-on, he sat down and showed me. But before that, I watched a couple of videos that were, I don't remember who made them, but they were pretty hard to follow because mm-hmm. he was kind of not keeping it in the frame. It wasn't mm-hmm. Paracord Guild, it was someone else. But um, I was always intimidated by anything other than, you know, Turk's head. Yeah. But, uh, we were kind of discussing this earlier. Once, once you, you have the principle, the basic principle of that knot, yeah. um, you don't have to pay attention to every single thing. Like you can just kind of recognize, oh, okay, this this is where I go under, but it's just a couple more steps because yeah. it's the same, you know, the same, uh, yeah. same principle. So, but yeah, I, I would say knot making for myself is the biggest thing that's changed. Um, Any other great aha moments? Oh man, uh, sort of like an epiphany. When yeah. you realize something, I would probably say just keeping seams straight. Yeah. Oh yeah. I used to just be so fixated on the, you know, what was right in front of me, plaiting, mm. that I would I I braid from a, a vice, yeah. a clamp, mm-hmm. and then you know I would pull it down and only have my work area about a foot away from the clamp. Mm. So I'd pull it down and start working, and then oh I'm I'm plaiting, I'm getting ex- I'm getting happy because I'm I'm getting this whip done and keep going down and down. Before I know it, I'm I'm turning, I'm not looking up and, and noticing that that seam is straight up at yeah. the top of the whip four or five feet up. Yeah. So I think seams being straight and knots are the biggest things. And of course, you know, if that were the only two things, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, that has <laughs> gotten better. But uh, yeah, I, taper as well has, has, of course, gotten better. It's still, you know, trying to get the next one better than the previous. Um, But what's been no- most noticeable for me, especially looking at some of my old whips, man, those knots were bad. <laughs> They're so bad, and the twists and yeah. the, the play. I, I really love it when you get to have those sort of aha moments yeah. when you really realize something. Yeah, like yeah, I, I remember realizing that uh, actually skiving the strands mm-hmm. make a huge difference. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because I thought thought like ah, it doesn't really matter. Right. I'm not gonna learn how to sky. That's overrated. Exactly. And uh, just making sure we're okay. Yeah. And just realizing that oh, it actually does work, and it does make a huge difference mm-hmm. in how smooth the plaiting comes out. Yeah. And um, you know, just realizing stuff like that is so great. And I, I also like to reread all my whip making books mm-hmm. about once every year or so. Because the first time I read the book, I thought, okay, I got this. I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But the next year, when I'm a bit more experienced, yeah. when, when I read it again, I uh-huh. It so much more. Yeah, so right? that's what they were actually saying. Yeah. That's smart. And it feels like, <laughs> you know, evolving as a whip maker is sort of like getting older in a way. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when I was 15, yeah. 
I thought I was so cool. <laughs> I had things, things totally figured out. Yeah. And then I turned 20 and I was like, oh God. <laughs> But okay, now I really know what's going on. Right. And then I hit right. 30 and realized when I was 20, yeah. I didn't know anything. Yeah. So I, when I'm 40, I'm probably going to look back right now and realize <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> But you know, it's really fun evolving and learning constantly, getting better and evolving. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's all you can do. Just don't be, a, don't be afraid to get get better. Yeah, I think, and don't be afraid yeah. to ask questions and ask for advice from yeah. other people. Yeah, definitely. there's no shaming that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and like you said earlier, like seeing other people's whips, you, you think that yours, you're like, oh, I've done such a good job. You're so proud of yourself, and then you see somebody else's whip, humble. and you're like, yeah, this is crap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, very it's, it's sickening sometimes. So. Yeah, it's like be proud of your work, be satisfied, but never be like, "I've done it, I'm done." You know, yeah, always no. be yeah. just like like anything else. Yeah, life. always be mm -hmm. looking for the next step, progressing. Yeah. You know? yeah, I think that's and I think that's what drives uh, whip makers because it's like it's so difficult to make a perfect whip. Yes, that you are constantly driven to to make whip, and then everyone is not perfect. So. Right. And the only thing you can do is just try and make the next one a little bit more perfect. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, mm -hmm. yeah. And I'll also advise to keeping a lot of notes, really. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I, yeah. I keep a lot of notes on every whip I make. Mm -hmm. Just because, say, say I make a six foot bull whip, for example. Mm -hmm. If there's one tiny aspect of that whip that I don't really like, mm -hmm. I can do my best to try and change that for the next one. Yeah. So the next time I get an order for a six foot bull whip, I can refer back to the old notes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And say, okay, here's what I did. Here's what turned out great. Here's a couple of aspects that, that I didn't like. What yeah. can I do to eliminate maybe just one of those aspects right. to make the next one a bit better? Mm -hmm. And then I'll just evaluate that whip. Mm -hmm. So the next one will be better. Yeah. Because keeping everything in your head Just doesn't Bound to forget. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can so, swear you'll remember. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I, I got like a big folder with all my whips sorted by length and dates. Oh, nice. So I can refer back to say if someone were to order a six foot whip, I can just check back mm -hmm. and f maybe find an old design that I think w would work for this particular customer, mm -hmm. or just uh, make a completely new design, or just pick things from different whips mm -hmm. and put them together into a new whip. Yeah. Because uh, I really like to give each whip uh, its deserved focus, if you will. So I'll glad you, gladly redesign uh, every whip order just to get it like exactly like how I wanted to end right. up. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been the best at taking notes. I kind of keep everything in my head, but more recently <laughs> I've kind of taken notes, especially to get like your strand links right, mm -hmm. so you don't waste anything. And then knots, knots are the thing that I mainly take notes on now because just knowing how many bites, how many, how thick your strands, you know, yeah. how even like the 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 width. Well, yeah, actually, how thick you split them down to, how wide they are. Um, how much stretch you ended up getting, if it actually covered the knot foundation, how big the knot foundation needed to be. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, yeah, I guess the details, all the different details, like once you can actually make a whip, that's great. But then the details that really like make, 
that people might not notice, but the things, the little things that they don't notice that really makes the whip like feel and look amazing, you mm -hmm. know? Right. Like the, those details are like the finish for yeah. one. Yeah, the, the taper, that's a really important thing too. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's something like, I don't know, about a year ago, I feel like I had an aha moment with like, huh. and it was about the same time as that I got it like initiated into the whip maker's hook and it was like Adam Winrich shared one of my memes or whatever a drawing I made about, yeah, about taper yeah, yeah. And, and it was about the same time I think you had mentioned something about the is it called Brackingstone taper? yeah the Brachistochrome bra curve something like yeah, that yeah I don't know how to say that word. but it's basically a skateboard ramp kind of thing and like a lot of people liken it to like sort of like a lance shape where it gets wider to, oh, at the handle yeah. for a yeah. bull whip anyways mm. oh. and then yeah there was a little bit of a discussion there and about you know that that necessarily is not there's a lot of variables certain whips you, you did you need a different kind of taper mm. on it like a really really long whip you wanted that to be kind of lighter mm. so you you wanted to taper kind of quickly off the handle mm. and yeah maybe or maybe they want like a really heavy whip. but if it's a really short whip you know you probably want to keep it a little thicker further down yeah. um, so there's a lot of variables to consider. You can't just say one formula is going to work perfectly for every single. It's like the tiny hatband whips that I make. Mm -hmm. They, uh, oh, I there. yeah. Sorry you, for you guys just listening, <laughs> uh, but uh, they, uh, the first one I made, that they it tapered almost like a regular whip would. Uh -huh. But I found that uh, actually uh, having a slow taper for about the first third of the thong and having the Last end, just before the hitch, taper a bit faster. Just mm. having the weight a bit further out really makes a big difference for a whip this short. It's just about, I don't know, two foot, two inches from the end of the handle to the fall hitch. But uh, different length of whips really need different taper yeah. to function properly. Yeah, It's like a snake whip that I think needs a taper that's pretty even all the way out mm -hmm. whereas the bull whips needs to taper up faster generally for the first section of the thong mm -hmm. and then the taper mm -hmm. slows down the rest of the way yeah yeah and for stock whips it's completely different yeah too. There's, mm -hmm. and that's, that's something i've had to like kind of figure out yeah. and i'm still figuring it out <coughs> traditional swell yeah, oh, about yeah. well not, not all of them have the swell and that's something i'm still like I like the swell. I think aesthetically it looks yeah, good, and supposedly it's it's more of a, it's kind of a function, and it's also a fashion thing of where it, it, so it'll sit around your neck, mm, and, yeah, and huh. that's kind of and it won't come off come off if you have it hanging over your elbow or yeah, yeah. and but it also helps the whip crack maybe maybe mm. not um, kind of I, throws the center of gravity forward yeah, yeah the weight is it's it's a thing of balance and weight if you've got a thinner handle you need a little bit of extra weight maybe on mm. the end then you know but i don't claim to be um, a very good source of knowledge for stock whips so mm -hmm. maybe i should stop there um, but but you know if you see a half plat stock whip typically doesn't have a swell mm. it's pretty much the the same yeah not on all of them but on a lot of them there's or the swell is slightly less so yeah the taper on a stock whip is going to be completely different than a taper on a bull whip than a taper on a snake whip they're all different so that, that's something that you have to take into consideration mm. a lot too. yeah 
backing up a little bit on taking notes while you're making whips, uh, something that so many beginner whip makers, particularly nylon whip makers, are caught up on, I know I was, is strand lengths. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and realistically, parachute cord is cheap enough to where you can buy some, you can make a whip, and just, you know, if that strand's too short, make a note and take another piece and fuse it on and yeah. account for that in your notes. You know, it's... Um, I guess it's easy to get caught up in that when you're when you're beginning. Yeah. I was, mm-hmm. but just you know, if you guys are beginning whip makers and nylon, just remember, just make the whip and take notes and buy your you know third or fourth whip. You should have something that's yeah reasonable. You yeah. know, of course, there's always places to fine tune, but and, and I also think on the same subject that it's really important to figure out how how long your strands need to be. Yeah. Generally speaking, it should be about 1.5 uh, times the length of where you plan to drop. Mm-hmm. And I fully understand if it's uh, a bit difficult to know where you plan on dropping your strands mm-hmm. when you're building a whip. But uh, one thing that really gets to me in a way is some people just don't seem interested in learning. Mm-hmm. They just want to... The quick yeah. answer. Yeah. I know how to make a six-footer. Mm-hmm. I know how to make an eight-footer, but I, but I can't make a seven-footer because I don't have the strand. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. really? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> you, you just think about it for a bit, and I'm sure you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Some people just seem like they want to get the, you know, the quick answer mm-hmm. and don't really want to figure things out. And we were talking about that yesterday as well, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I think all three of us should gladly help people mm-hmm. but we don't want to feel like we're being taken advantage of yeah, really yeah. we're not a machine just no. talk with us <clears throat> we, introduce we, yourself no you know? we, we don't have to give you <laughs> answers to your questions yeah. but we'll gladly do if you're just polite and uh, yeah. uh, like you were saying just uh, like they have to give it a go something like that they have to show that they're really trying oh, yeah. or yeah, yeah, put the effort in first. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I, I likened it to striking, uh, trying to um, speak <coughs> to a, a foreigner. You have to make an attempt to speak their language first, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they most likely speak English mm-hmm. because everybody does. Yeah, yeah. Johnny is from Sweden, but he speaks perfect English. Very good. And uh, but you have to at least make the attempt, yes. and you have to prove that you. Are aren't just trying to siphon off all the, the skill and everything. Yeah. But, it's, yeah, the, t- the t- um, strand length, too, something I've noticed. There's different ways, styles of braiding, and, and if you braid at a different angle, a more extreme angle that exceeds a 90-degree angle, um, I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but um, you're going to need slightly longer strands. Mm-hmm. And also, too, how tight you pull if you... And it might not, you might not think it makes a difference on a six-foot whip, but if you make a 12-foot whip, mm-hmm. it makes a difference. Absolutely. So if you measure just 1.5, you might come up short. Yeah. And more, you may not on your drop strands, maybe you won't, but when you get down to your point, mm-hmm. you might realize I'm six inches short. Yeah. And so one thing I like to do is I measure times 1.666. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like that number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call me crazy. But... um. It's better to go long and finish yeah, it. Yeah, and always and but lots of times I don't know with my style of braiding it comes out pretty close mm-hmm. to right there at the end with a little bit of ex- excess pull strength. Yes. What what I tend to do is to 
uh, cut my strand to the the 1.5 length mm-hmm. and then that little bit extra that I need to be safe I get that one while stretching the strand oh yeah definitely yes so if I yeah. decide I the strand should uh, be six foot long mm-hmm. and once I stretch it stretched it it might be seven or depending on yeah. the amount of stretching the height of course but right. that that <clears throat> usually gets me that little bit extra that I need to be safe and uh, I do fully get and agree with not wanting to waste material but like you were saying Nick that paracord is really cheap at least in comparison with leather and it's not the end of the world having to you know cut a two or three foot piece off Mm -hmm. and just ending up trashing that you know Mm -hmm. that's just part of the game of course you want to minimize the amount of waste but Mm -hmm. you still want to make sure that you have enough Mm -hmm. and also like you were saying if you're unsure of the strand length just take notes mm-hmm. and just for the heck of it just if you're gonna do a 12 plat whip cut all strands or 12 to the full length There's of the whip wrong with doing no that. just for one whip yeah and yeah, take yeah. notes where you needed to cut them and yeah. then you got you're all set for the next one yeah and you got yeah. strands for probably your a fall, belly your yeah. Knots, your, yeah maybe even a first belly yeah know? or um i use them for wrist loops too yeah, yeah. Some, wrist sometimes loops. and yeah. i have bags and bags and bags of of <laughs> scrap laces mm. yeah and they've accumulated quite a bit and i do things with them but I, there's just so many at this point that i don't oh, know oh yeah but, I, so I, I, I try to donate them to people um boy scouts of america That's um cool. and but it still there's they're like, I go to them and they're like, no, we don't need any more leather. <laughs> We're good on leather for years. But this now. is kangaroo leather. <laughs> Are you good on that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Take you up on that deal. Yeah. yeah, there's always a little bit that a little bit of waste that gets trimmed off because I would definitely don't want to come up short and have to bring in an extra strand or, right. or try yeah. to avoid that or glue one in or something. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're on your and all your strands are six inches shorter yeah. and you've got you're selling a whip that it has to be six foot long or whatever yeah. and, and you're like oh it's you know this whip came up a little bit shorter just because of the the dynamics and every whip is different i, I always like <laughs> i always hated like when i was starting out coming up to like i don't know eight plat and even six and like that belly is so thick and i'm like trying to like pull up as much as yeah. i can to cover it up I'm like this is bad I think we all can relate to that one. Yeah. You just know it's coming. You're like, I'm yeah. going to run out. <laughs> and that, that's also the thing with uh, dropping strands further down the thong. Yeah. Because the strands that you drop are going to add to the diameter. Exactly. So you're, um, say, say you're going from, I don't know, an eighth plat to a sixth plat. Mm-hmm. And that, you're removing two strands from mm-hmm. the, from covering. Plus, you're adding two strands to the core, mm-hmm. so you really have to watch your angles and stuff just to make sure you don't, uh, or that you cover your uh, foundation with the strands that you got left. That's true. Yeah, it's another big variable. Another interesting subject that we touched um, on slightly <coughs> yesterday is the do's and don'ts when ordering a whip. Mm. Oh, yeah, Do you guys have any input on that one? <laughs> uh, if, if I were to order a whip from Unic, uh-huh. what do you want to know? And what do you... I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah. I want to hear what Nick has to yeah. say. <laughs> hey, Nick, I want a whip. 
<laughs> well, what do you, what is this your first whip? Uh, mm, yeah, oh, no. No, this isn't your first whip. No. It's my third. That's your third whip. Okay. Um what are you looking to do with the whip? Sport cracking, cattle ranching? Um, a little bit of I want to get into sport cracking. Get into sport cracking. Okay. Um well, how tall are you? About um 62. Okay. Well, um, a good versatile whip is, uh, I recommend a six-foot or a seven-foot whip. Mm -hmm. I make nylon whips, so you can use it when it's wet outside. Mm -hmm. You can have a large choice of colors. Um, ten inches is a good standard for the handle. Why is that? Um, well, it's, it's not too long to where it's a little awkward, and it's not too short to where targeting, if you want to get into that, is inaccessible. Mm -hmm. It's a good portable... Um, it's a good length. It's um, um, just, I guess, standard. It's easy to, to take with you. No. Yeah. Okay. So fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. Did, did, did you want the customer to provide a lot of specifics? Do you want some uh, artistic freedom with the whip, or? Yeah. Usually, I'll I'll tell them. I'll ask them if there's a specific pattern that they want, mm. and uh, if not. I just, you know, make it whatever colors they choose. I'll just do a pattern I think they'll like, yep. something random. But uh, yeah, I like to give them the the option to get something custom, mm. a pattern, off-colored handle. Do you want a wrist loop? You know, things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's usually just it's mostly like you know you've seen my videos. You yep. know how I make my whips, so mm. I don't really have to go into detail about the construction of the whip. But it's. Uh, yeah. Are you okay with changing your way of construction for the customer if they'd like to, or um, to sort to of go out on a limb? Or? To a very certain degree. I, I don't like it when a potential customer uh, is asking for me to attach a core in a certain way. Like I had a customer once, or a potential customer, who went through with the order. He sent me a picture of a ground down. Uh, handle and it's like it was one inch up and he's like I would if can you do this this specific way with this handle mm. this type of steel and I wanted to attach it's like at that point you know I have my way of making whips you you came to me because you saw my videos you saw how yeah. I make my whips yeah. and you know please don't uh, tell me to do it this very specific way because no. otherwise it's it's not really my whip anymore I mean it is because I made it but it's not my design no. I guess you could say so it, that's kind of off-putting when somebody comes to you and wants it, this, you know, they're telling yeah. you to do all yeah. this stuff. When, when someone comes to me and wants to purchase a whip, what I primarily want to know is, yeah, of course, it's, uh, say it's a six-foot bull whip, I want it to have a 10-inch handle, and I want it to be black and natural. Yeah. That, that's all I really want to know. If the customer has any particular patterns that they like, or... I just want, you know, straight checkerboard for the handle and yeah. the herringbone, and that's completely fine. If I don't receive any specific um, uh, instructions for the patterns and so on, I'll just make something that it, I think yeah. will look good, mm -hmm. really. And also, you know, if it's gonna, do you prefer it a bit heavier or a bit lighter or whatever? Right. right. But um, I feel like being too specific when uh, ordering a whip mm -hmm. can actually be a problem since you're changing 
the way the maker has to make his whip. Right. Really. It's a, it's a bit like... Um, I know, Nick, you play guitar. Mm -hmm. You play something as well. Mm -hmm. Like It's like asking you to write a song. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And um, it. Uh, I would really like for it to be in uh, G major. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I can make a song in G major. Oh, but uh, the solo has to be 22 seconds long. Mm. That, that's mm -hmm. a, you, you know the artistic creativity really shrinks mm -hmm. with the, each specific demand, mm -hmm. and uh, when soloing you can only stay within the pentatonic box. Right, right. <laughs> and no flat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a lot of. I I think we whip makers really enjoy and want a lot of artistic freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my impression, at least. Uh, my I, I agree 100% with you. Yeah. yeah. Because if... Artistic license. Yeah. yeah. If, yes. if I'm ordering a whip from someone, I want a whip that they made. Mm -hmm. And if I, for whatever reason, don't like it, mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine. That doesn't mean the whip maker is no good. Mm -hmm. and, but <clears throat> I can just, um, you know, sell that whip. Mm -hmm. And maybe ask for, hey, I really would like another whip, but maybe a tad lighter. Mm -hmm. Or something like that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I think. Yeah. But I don't think. And if someone is is wanting to order a whip and they're being so specific about everything they want, that's yeah. different to how you usually make a whip. Yeah. And it's almost like, well, you you know enough about it. Why are you coming to me? Because yeah. You know yeah. how I you know I do it this specific. Way. That really puts me <clears> off, <throat> you know, because yeah. I don't get to do the whip my way. Right. Right. I'm just making someone else's whip, really. Mm -hmm. And if you're not used to it, that could compromise potentially the. Yeah, surely, the, surely. Uh, functionality of the whip. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would like to say that um, I think what I said yesterday is that we were talking about this same subject. Um, is, uh, yeah, there's kind of a code of conduct of that. And it's I, I understand that it's difficult to order something that you, you, you don't see it before you pay $500 or yeah. however much it costs, $300, yeah. to... And you pay them, and then you get to see it. And then, so it's 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 not this isn't Amazon, this is not Burger King. You cannot send it back. Exactly. If you don't like it, just simply don't order another whip from that maker. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's just how that's how this works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the first question that people ask me is how much, when they should be asking how long. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And. Yeah. And they ask me how much, and I tell them how long first, mm -hmm. and then, in like, at least three months, at least four months, and mm -hmm. it might be less, it might be longer, but be prepared to wait that long. And for me, if a whipmaker doesn't have a wait, then I will. I wouldn't say that they. The longer the <coughs> wait, the probably the better the whip. Is what, <laughs> yeah, and well. sure, nylon whip makers can can crank them a little bit, a little bit faster, and some whip makers can make them very quickly, and it does not mean that the quality is less, um, but uh, oftentimes, I would say maybe it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I hate to say it, but <laughs> no. no, I consider it a bit like going to to get a tattoo, like I was saying yesterday. Mm -hmm. you no, know, sh showing up at the tattoo studio mm -hmm. and just showing the picture. This is a flower that I want, <laughs> and I want it right here on my arm. And you can't change anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you sort of ha have to trust the the tattoo artist. Mm 
yeah. that the guy knows his work. Mm-hmm. If he says like, well, we should add a couple of leaves right here, you can't go, no, mm-hmm. I want it exactly like this. But, you know, listening to the guy will probably make for a better right. tattoo in the end. Right, right. So it's, uh, you really need to, I think, to really trust the the maker. Exactly. And uh, most probably it's going to work out just fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it don't, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. you know, like, like I was saying earlier, just sell it and get a new <clears> one. <throat> right. If you really hated the whip, just get it from another maker then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. My really. favorite thing is, and this doesn't happen very often, but when people say, "Here's the money, just make me whatever you want." Oh, those are the best. And, I, yeah, yeah. I and often, and I have yeah. to say that those customers are oftentimes the most happy yeah. customers yes. that I have ever dealt with. Yeah. and I'm also willing to go a little bit further. Me too. Yeah, and I, I did that. I think a guy's coming tomorrow. He ordered a pair of stock whips for me, and also a pair of bull whips. Yeah, he yes. had that. Just hey. I like yeah. your work. Yeah, you make what you what you want. Just make me something nice. Yeah. That's I it's love refreshing. Those. Yeah. yeah, there's trust. There's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You just feel and the artistic freedom. Yeah, because oftentimes, a lot of times, when they give you all these specs and um, you're not sure it, if you're gonna exactly hit each. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and so a lot of times, like I never hear back from them. No, and which yeah. which uh, sometimes means maybe it doesn't mean anything, but to me, if I don't hear back from a customer. Then it means maybe they they weren't one hundred percent happy, no. which kind of it hurts my soul. Yeah, uh, I like to hear back as well. <laughs> At least just to hear that the whip made it. Yes, right. <laughs> because <laughs> shipping whips that's uh, really takes a toll <laughs> on me. At least, yeah, I'm real nervous. Like, like I was saying yesterday, I got a whip uh, that I shipped to Australia a couple of months ago that hasn't made it yet. So, looks like I might have to redo that one. But uh, I want to know at least that the whip made it mm-hmm. to its destination. Exactly. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah. And I think it's Im- it's really important if you you sell whips. I think it's important to put videos out. You yeah. Know? Because as we were talking about, be paying that money and not having mm-hmm. it in person. Like, if you can see those whips cracking, you, you will get a very good idea of how they perform. Yeah. The types of cracks that they're using, you know, you're gonna see. As yeah. much as you can without actually physically holding that whip and cracking it. Correct. So I encourage everybody who's getting into whip making and who's wanting to sell whips, like videos. People come to me like, hey, I'm trying to sell whips. I say, make videos, make videos, cracking the whips, good pictures. Hmm. Um, that's my best advice to somebody who's wanting to get into it. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. That's something that I like to do is just after the whip is done, um, just do a little test crack, mm-hmm. you know. That's all it takes. It's you know? figure eights is usually what I do. Yeah. Because um, with a figure eight, you can really see the flow yeah. of, uh, of the whip. And you don't have to, you know, nothing, you don't got to go crazy with it or anything. But just, mm-hmm. uh, it's nice for people to, to see that, give them something other than a picture. Mm-hmm. But it's also nice when people, customers too, this doesn't happen very often, but... They when they leave a, a video review of your whip. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Once yeah. they get the whip, then they can do whatever they want with it. You right. Know? And they can, you know, hopefully crack it well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but each whip is different. Sometimes it takes getting to know the whip and everything. But mm-hmm. it's it's always nice when you get a, a good review. Due to the weather, where I'm at, uh, I can only get outside <laughs> and act properly test the whips in the summertime mm. because I don't want to bring out the 
whips that I'm shipping out into the mm. snow and the rain. Right, so, right. you know, I, I tend to test most whips um, during the winter month inside. Mm. And it's, um, I managed to crack up to a 10-foot whip in my bedroom. In the bedroom? <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> flicking it across the bed and everything, just seeing that it... I just want to check that it cracks, you know, with ease. Right, right. And um, if it's longer, I just have to take it outside, even if it, the ground is wet or snowy or whatever, and just um, stand around making a couple of overheads with right. it. Right. And uh, yeah. catching it midair and not I'm having not. it oh, yeah. touch the ground. Well, if it's dry snow, it might be okay. <laughs> yeah, cracking, cracking leather whips in the snow is possible, but... <laughs> it has to be really specific kind of snow, yeah. B- yeah. Because the snow has to be dry, and uh, it can't be any ice underneath. Yeah. Uh, my sort of rule of thumb when it comes to using whips uh, in the snow or on different surfaces is: um, would it hurt? If I made a power slide on my knees, like an, a proper <laughs> rock and roll star, w- would it hurt my my skin? Like getting down and rubbing my hand against it. Right. If, if it would hurt my hand, it yeah. would hurt the whip. Yeah, that's that's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. so you know, dry grass, that's not no problem, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's uh, concrete or gravel or whatever, that's a no, no, no. Mm-hmm. And same with the, with the snow because underneath. If you have a thin layer of snow, it might be like rugged ice underneath, and I don't want to whip slamming right. into that thing. Exactly. Causing problems. I, I sometimes, after, usually I'll test crack a whip after I wax it, but if mm-hmm. I do it too soon, I'll take it outside and in the snow. When I crack the whip, it'll just melt the snow because it's yeah. warm from the wax. So now I'm, you know, waiting oh, yeah. half an hour. <laughs> even when I go out, set it down for a couple minutes, so temperature yeah. equalizes. I guess we all, we all live in kind of snowy areas. Yeah, yeah. we do. Well, and it can't be too cold. I actually had yeah. a whip freeze. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Oh, well. I was making this up on YouTube uh, <clears throat> sports cracking video mm. and it was crazy cold that day. And I brought out my uh, stock whip and used that for a couple of cracks and then just hung it on the tripod <laughs> while shooting another whip. And when I came back to pick it up, as I was um, uh, coiling the whip, it actually <laughs> it was a creak. I don't know if it was the grease inside oh, the whip man. that actually froze. So I had to carry <laughs> it really carefully inside and just lay it on the floor and have right. it yeah. <coughs> get warm Crack again. Leather. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that must have been very cold. Yeah. Like minus 20 or something? Yeah, I was only out for like yeah, 20 minutes or so. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, yeah some, sometimes the leather dressings uh, they have a little bit of water and, and mm. yeah. help absorb and everything. But did yeah. you say the yeah the feebings for or like yeah even Picard's has a small amount of water in it. Yeah, so we put that in there. Huh. It's gonna it might freeze. Yeah, I don't know if it was the grease or the sort of fibers of the yeah. leather. Maybe and, and I I didn't want to coil the whip up because I don't want to break any right. fibers. Exactly. <laughs> Imagine if I would were to leave the whip outside for an hour. Yeah. And then bending it would probably... It might tear it. Yeah, a couple of strands might just snap yeah. from have the cold. You, have you guys seen the videos where somebody takes a rose, dips it, yeah. dip it in liquid nitrogen, and shatter it? Yeah. It might have a similar effect. Oh, wow. mm. That sounds awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really... Uh, I gotta watch that. Yeah. <laughs> so you you, you can crack the whips and the leather whips in the snow, but be careful. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's the... It's going through the air at like uh, very high velocity. Mm-hmm. And that probably yeah, have more, a... More wear and tear on already 
freezing weather, so yeah. it might break. Yeah, I had, my grass was too high one time when I test cracked a whip, and it got a little bit of a grass stain on it. Yeah. And yeah. That was not not okay, <laughs> but luckily I got it. I got it out. That's good. But um, I'm kind of worried about grass stains on really long whips when I test crack them. So yeah. maybe a really long whip I don't test crack sometimes. Yeah. Or shellac it first and then maybe. But I kind of have a rule of thumb is I don't test crack whip after the shellac goes on because it takes mm. actually takes a day or two for it to fully dry the mm. shellac. Mm. About or twelve hours I would say. Do you guys uh, brush your shellac on? Just dip dip a rag in it and just go down. How do you how do you do it? Um, What I tend to do is that I take a sponge, okay, and I just uh, wrap a bit of an old T-shirt or something around that, Mm. and then I just um, dip that into the shellac Mm -hmm. and sort of lightly brush that on. Mm. I might do two layers, something like that. Mm. And once the shellac is on, I polish it gently with a clean cloth, mm. and then just apply a very light coat of conditioner on top of that. Nice. Yeah. But um, I think I'm gonna make some adjustments to my shellac applying soon. Yeah. Just to because it's not quite where I want it to be. It's a pretty nice finish, mm-hmm. and I'm quite happy with it. But as Still needs need to improve it slightly to be totally happy with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> it takes me sometimes all day long to shellac a whip. Really? Yeah. yeah. The one that I prepared for the convention, it took me six hours to shellac. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, That's why whips are pricey. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. time consuming. Um, it's a lot of. I don't know if I'm. I don't think I can comfortably share. On, on, I, well, Franco Zucali, I will say that he he has the, a beautiful finish, and he gave me a lot of like really good advice. And if anybody wants to make, um, <coughs> he he actually has I think documents on the Whitmaker's hook on how to shellac. I hey, think I, th- does he. Does he have a thing? He does, but he doesn't go into extreme detail on, on his method and his technique. So if, if you want to, if you'd like to know how I shellac, talk to him and maybe he'll tell you. But it's a, it's a process of um, lots of layers. And um, you, can, you can even roll the whip in between layers. And you can even, you can burnish shellac. You can actually even polish it with a, a microfiber cloth. Mm. And you, but the more thin layers you have... And you ha- you have to make sure that the whip is completely dry, and you need mm-hmm. to, um, and that there is no water in the whip whatsoever. That is very important, mm-hmm. and you need to make sure your shellac is <coughs> new. That it's not old shellac. That it's completely that it doesn't have any dye or water in it. Um, there's you could you could obsess over just the shellac alone yeah just yeah, actually yeah. mixing the shellac itself is like yeah. a science in its own also where you get the shellac from there's so many different kinds now yeah. and uh, so there's I, can, I cannot remember the name of the company that I get mine from but the, it's way better than the stuff that I used to get really yeah. I, I used the uh, when I did shellac it was the bullseye shellac it okay yeah I, I initially used that the spray stuff 
Uh, it was in a can. Okay, yeah, they do yeah. sell a can. But I, I never that. like mixed my own with the, with the flask stone. stone and whatever the. Yeah, yeah I, the one that yeah, I use is called like Well something. <coughs> well. If you do a Google search, you can you can buy it through Amazon, I think. Um, hmm. Yeah, and but the yeah, it's these really nice flakes. It's a platinum blonde shellac. shellac. Hmm. I think it comes from um, Asia. I know it comes from the lac bug. Huh. It's like a, like beetle, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it actually yeah. comes from a, a beetle. That's really strange. Um, Forgot about that. I, I've yeah. done a lot of experimenting with the actual shellac uh, mixture formula, if you will, and it, uh, it turns out I was talking to Franco about it, and it turns out that I came up with exactly the same recipe as the one he used. Really? Yeah, like oh. exactly the same. Wow. Because I managed to find, oh, this is like a nice mixture that I yeah. really like, so I'm sticking with this one. Yeah. And I was uh, running something through him, and it ends up being exactly the same as wow. the one he uses. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, I think it was pretty much in the ballpark. Yeah, good. And speaking about the, the whip, you guys both uh, are entering whips into the whip-making competition. Yeah. Guys, excited for that? Yeah, looking forward to yeah. it. It's yeah, I'm looking forward to see whatever, whatever else has. And yeah, you know. both beautiful whips. I've I've seen both of both of you guys' whips. Oh, thank you, Nick. Very yeah. nice. Whip. Yours is really nice too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. put a lot of work into that. Really like the color combo. Thank you. Likewise, I'm always inspired, guys. I'm telling you, like this this will be the third time where after a whip meet, I'm so I'm I'm wanting to make a a good. Uh, kangaroo hide whip mm. so I go home and I, I do it this time I said this last year but I'm going to actually do it instead of start <laughs> and bail on it you so. promise yes I do <laughs> okay it, and it's being recorded yep I'm going to make you need, one you know if you need a, a support group you know like your, I appreciate your AA <laughs> yeah. sledgehammer or whatever you know, call <laughs> me up and just remember to be thankful <laughs> yeah. for any advice right 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 <laughs> exactly yeah yeah I'm looking forward to tomorrow. It's gonna Me be too. great. Yeah. Yeah, I uh it's always it's always the big day. Mm -hmm. This thing usually is like a few days. Meet and greets today, but like tomorrow's the the whip cracking competitions, probably the most people that are gonna be here. Yeah, the main event tomorrow. Yeah. So Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Glad you guys uh could come out. It's gonna be good. Good to be here too. Yeah, yeah. it's good to be here. Yeah. Hope to come next year too. Uh hope I can yeah, make it again. It is, you know, kind of an expensive trip. But yeah, uh, sure. I think, what next year I think what I will do is I'll bring enough whips to sell to pay for the trip, and yeah. hopefully people will buy them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're listening to this and you want to, you live in maybe the California area, maybe come and check out. There's going to be a lot of good whips yeah. this year and probably next year and years to come mm -hmm. as well from a lot of really good makers, and you'll get to actually see your whip. Before yeah. you pay for it, you can, you, can <laughs> test, you can test it and take it for a test drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a rare opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you guys want to add? Um, any questions you you guys have, or something you want to bring up? Or uh... Uh, no, I'd just like to say thank you, Nick, for um, having me, and uh, thanks for doing this uh, the webcast. I think Absolutely. it's a really great, yeah. awesome thing. Love You're the welcome. webcast, man. And awesome. all the videos, too, on your YouTube channel. Thank you guys both so much for, for being on the show. We've yeah. got a great rest of the week and weekend ahead. Yep. Um, let's talk about uh, how to get in touch with you guys. You guys, um, where can we order whips from, from you, Johnny? Uh, 
you can uh, go to my website. Uh-huh. It's uh, witchcraftwhips.se, not .com. I'm also uh, available on Facebook. Just search Witchcraft Whips. I'm on Instagram, Witchcraft Whips. <laughs> or uh, just uh, message my private profile, Johnny Ögren, or O'Green, if you will. Or info at witchcraftwhips.se. Perfect. And make sure to check out Johnny's videos. Got some great videos on YouTube on the channel. Thank you, man. A lot of good instructional stuff. I've learned a lot of stuff from you. Thanks. So I'll keep it up, man. And then uh, Blake? Um, my website is kind of going under a, a domain name change. But you can you can actually find me through um, Smoky Mountain Whips. Um, and that's my... Uh, SmokyMountainWhips.com, and that will redirect to my um, my old website, uh, which needs a little bit of uh, attention. And but you can also find me on Facebook. I'm Blake Gorey on Facebook, and then you can also find me on Instagram, which is uh, Smoky Mountain Whips. Okay. It's my handle on Instagram. Awesome. And I would say you know any of those methods are. are good to contact me yeah. yeah just make sure to get in touch some way yeah yeah and we'll help there you are out. multiple ways yeah. Yeah. yeah both outstanding whip makers i'm inspired by both of you thank you and, thanks uh, you too yeah if you guys want a good oh, kangaroo hide whip you check out either one of these guys so thanks so much guys uh let's go meet and greet here coming up here in a couple hours now i think yeah and uh yes yeah let's do thanks it thanks for being on the show guys thank, thank you, you.